Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. So I've been listening to that um, Dave Crosby album, Light... Lighthouse. Sucking up to your new best mate. But it's just, Twitter's extraordinary, you know. I've been following Chuck Yeager. Oh. The man who broke the sound barrier. Oh. He's 95 years old and still going and answering everyone's questions. <laughs> he, he hasn't slowed down yet. Did you ever see the movie The Right Stuff? Uh, I think I did, in the 80s. Yeah, yeah, about the astronauts. And I didn't know for years, and you know, there was, um, there was Chuck Yeager who was played by Sam Shepard, but his sidekick who was always helping him to sort out, and he was also narrated the whole movie, was um, Lee Von Helm. Really? But he didn't go into space. Did he? <laughs> no, but he was an actor who... <laughs> oh, oh yeah, okay, yeah. we're talking about the movie. Yeah, oh, yeah, okay. talking about the movie. They didn't go into space because apparently the dynamic at the time was that the, um, they had the astronauts, but the test pilots thought that you could just punch a hole in the sky, that, you know, you just kept on flying fast enough, if you went fast enough and high enough, you'd end up going and leaving the Earth and going to space, and they, they, they refer to the astronauts as uh, spam in a can, um, <laughs> and there was a rivalry between them. But. Spam in a can. Levon Helm um, died a couple of years ago, and uh, he and Robbie Robertson went to see him in hospital, because they'd, they'd been very close, but... Um, they hadn't been close for decades. He, he could never work out why Robbie Robertson broke the band up. Um, and it was more an idea, Helm thought, because Robertson was, had got involved with Martin Scorsese. They just thought it was an idea for a movie. Oh, I know, we'll have a final gig and we'll make it into a movie. Oh, it's sensational. I still, I still watch bits of it on YouTube. It's just awesome. I don't think I've ever seen it. The Last Waltz. Have a, have a look at uh, their version of The Wait. The wait with the staple singers. I've got it. I own it. I've just never bothered to. Is this shit's limit? Is this shit's limit? Is this shit's limit? I like I like the colour match. Chris's hair and top on face. <laughs> yeah, I've been doing heroin lately. It's really, it's really brought out the great. If you didn't have that brown bit in the middle behind the glasses, you could be a snowman. The brow bit in the middle of my skin. Your largest organ. Oh, isn't that disturbing? What is the man's largest organ? Are you looking at it? Is this shirt slimming? Presented by Christopher Sulos, Robert Barnhill, Philip Muscatello. The highs, the lows, the triumphs, the invigilators, the laughter, the tears. Is this shirt slimming? I guess it must be a podcast. Whoops. What episode number is this, Phil? Why don't we have numbers, Phil? I don't like your fascist numbering systems, man. Whoa. <laughs> signs, signs, everywhere there's signs, man. Do this, don't do that. Can't, Can't you, you read, read the, the sign? signs? <laughs> yeah, so we don't have um, fascist numbering systems, Rob. We just this is this episode will be called Bono's Legacy. The last one that we've got will be um, uh, Ethel Merman, which I'm going to edit oh, and send off to Christopher. Haven't as we well. published Ethel Merman yet? Well, you can you can go f- 
yourself then to quote Ethel. There's no business like show business. <laughs> I've got to work out why I haven't got a mic. It's, sorry, I'm just... It's like when we um, <laughs> when we were recording the world-class mastering engineer, Noel Somerville, in his studio, and I said, have you got a microphone? No mic. No mic. <laughs> Did your parents scar you for life in the worst possible way? Are you missing out on all the pleasure possible? Then call the Dapto Foreskin Restoration Clinic and ask about our revolutionary foreskin restoration techniques. It's time to act. Become intact. Our system of weights and the patented tugging techniques will leave you the way God intended, restoring valuable erogenous tissue. The Dapto Foreskin Restoration Clinic, putting the dangle in your wangle. Mark Volman, Mark Volman, Mark Howard. Volman and, and Howard Kalen. They're still alive, aren't they? Yeah, yeah they were in the My Turtles. Word. They yes. did the Turtles, which songs like Eloise and um, oh, Happy Together and just wonderful, yeah. beautiful. A, a couple of Jewish guys doing wonderful Beach Boys style um, yeah. 60s shiny pop and then they went and joined Frank Zappa and <laughs> took that and added their own magic to Frank Zappa and um, did you see them Rob when they came out I saw them twice did I ever see them with you I saw them with you oh right and Lou and Lou Reed came up on stage while they were playing I forgot all about that I thought I'd because never seen Lou Reed he was playing in Sydney the same night yeah down the road two blocks down the road at the entertainment centre so at one point couldn't get a, just couldn't get a seat that's right <laughs> Phil and I had very good seats. We were very close to the front. And, yep. um, and at one point they said, well, a friend of ours is going to join us. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Lou Reed. And out he came, being miserable. Not miserable like Van Morrison, but just miserable. <laughs> really, Lou Reed, I'd forgotten that I'd ever seen Lou, Lou Reed. But, uh, yeah, now that you mention it, it all comes flooding back. And who, who, who was Lou married to, Phil? Um, uh, Laurie Anderson. Laurie Anderson. Really? Laurie Anderson, oh, yeah. Gosh. Oh, gosh. Could you imagine how boring... Oh, stop. I'm going to put my... Oh, Superman. <laughs> it was huge. <laughs> I heard... Hey, darling, I've got a piece of music I want you to hear. No, no, I want you to hear my metal music. Oh, gosh, could you imagine how boring it would have been at the dinner table? What a house. I, I, I've got Lulu on the computer, but I've never got around to listening to it. I should read it. The reviews were good. Lou Reed with Metallica. <laughs> I'd rather listen to Lulu Don't with Metallica. Don't sleep in the subway, darling. Huh? That, was, um, that wasn't Lulu. But Sheila Clark? Yes. Oh, okay. What, did Lu- what were Lulu's hits? Uh, to Sue with Love. Is there oh, any yeah, others? Yeah, that's right. Was, was, were any others necessary? Who did Alfie? Scylla. Silla Black. Yeah. Oh, hang on. No, 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 hang on. It was... I, Ange, and I, Ange and I saw Bert Bacharach at the Sydney Hilton and, and it was just wonderful when he sang Alfie because he's not a great singer, but he does a lot with what he's got. Yeah, yeah. Unlike Mick Jagger. Mick <laughs> does a lot with what he's got. <laughs> that's the best Mick. The, no, he doesn't that's... do much with what he's got. He just does what he does. I was driving... Driving the other day, and I was listening to the ABC, and the bastard played a track from a Mick Jagger solo album. Well, I felt I felt like I was trapped were, in the car. You were trapped in the car, <laughs> doing 110 with Mick Jagger on. Trapped in the car. That was that period in the 80s when all the record company execs were convinced. You know, we were getting into Mick Jagger's ear 
you know, saying you're gonna, you can be a solo star. You don't need those other guys. You can be a solo star. And he actually believed it, you know. <laughs> have you read, you haven't read uh, Keith Richards' autobiography, have you? Life? No, I have. No, great. Fantastic, no. fantastic. Oh, yeah. But, you know, remember when he was talking about that and um, how, you know, he knew just Keith that uh, Mick just didn't have it, but he was, no. he was always said, you know, there's only, you're in the band and that's it for life. You're never getting away. <laughs> <laughs> Keith's made a couple of great albums. Mick. Oh yeah, his solo albums are fantastic. Much better than aren't they? Have you heard his version of ver- his version of "Girl from the North Country"? It's just beautiful, absolutely gorgeous. Anyway, look, can we do an introduction? A live, a live, real oh. introduction. Are we ready? Are we ready for the introduction? For yeah, that? we're ready for this. We just want to introduce um, our um, our lovely man from the south coast and the great Levantine hunk of man meat in the mountains, Christopher Sulos. And oh, uh, thanks, Phil. <laughs> here's an introduction I prepared earlier. Previously, on is this shirt slimming? Did I miss anything about Glenn Shorrock? The Heinz. He said, oh, I know you. You you play with some people. Does my bum look big in this? <laughs> what? Merman! Welcome, listener, oh. to the reverse... The Lights. scrotum shape mold show. Did you um, find out a, um, a, a breaking news item? It's impregnable to the pause button. Sucked into a temporal vortex in the 1975s to warn the future of the past. Was I supposed to... Oh. That was one, the one task, a breaking news item. The Invigilators. My one task. That <laughs> makes it sound worse. I think you're a little loose with the word interesting, Phil. Concept album. Can I just um, talk about politicians for a minute? I'm not sure if you've ever had any politicians in your oh, audience. Oh, uh, oh, Rob, sure, but I've had... Sure. Putting the dangle in your wangle. Uh, and Chris? No, that, 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 I, that'd just be welcome change of pace, Phil. Fake news alert. As of, as, hold on, hold on. I like Roger, Roger McQueen. As a vocalist, he's up there with Mick Jagger. <laughs> but, but, but not as good as Peter, not as good as Peter Garrett. He's such a terrible-looking bastard. Barry Manilow, the wings beneath which is our wind. Really? Is this shirt slimming? I guess it must be a podcast. That's... Oh, that's better than us. The music is so positive. <laughs> that's my latest um, composition. What do you reckon? I like it. I like the way it ends. Just two notes, then another two. What, what, are, you, what are you trying to say? <laughs> I, I think I said it. I <laughs> English is my second language, but I think that was clear enough. I've, I've called that song Brenner. How do you, how do you, how do you spell it? Is that, is that How are you spelling it? B R Y double N E R. Okay. And um, you're Brenner because he he was actually a TV producer before he became an actor before he was in the King and I. Sophisticated. And he had a show called Danger in the fifties, and the guitarist Tony Matola or Motola, I'm not sure how you pronounce it, who ended up being Frank Sinatra. Matola. He ended up being Frank Sinatra's guitarist. Played all the soundtrack for it, and he'd go into the studio every week and just with his guitar and play those great twangy sounds, you know. So I've been, even though I didn't directly. Hopefully, didn't directly rip him off. I was just using that particular sound. Clearly, clearly influenced by <laughs> Taylor Swift. I can hear it. Tata. Actually, I can tell you exactly because I wanted to talk a little bit about Tata. Tata. That's right. I, I should know. Did that. you want to talk about her? Well, why not? Well, before we do, can I just say I heard Filthy yesterday, the new uh, uh, Justin Timberlake song. <laughs> what, what was it? Make your face crawl? I had to have a shower. <laughs> Change of undies. <laughs> yeah, I, and I, I was, 
I was looking forward to it. <laughs> and? <laughs> Nothing. Then I played it. Was, I'm no so longer looking forward to it. You're looking forward to it and it just died. <laughs> yeah. The other part of that, the other part of that um, mix in there, we, we talked about Roger McGuinn. I didn't realise Roger McGuinn was such a bad singer. I don't know why you think he's such a bad singer, but anyway, um, I'm not sure if you saw, but I don't, I don't uh, mind Roger McGuinn. I think it's, I, th- I don't like his voice, and I think it's unpleasant to watch him sing. Whereas, whereas Mick Jagger is just unpleasant to hear <laughs> yeah, sing because he's great to watch. <laughs> yeah, funny to watch. Do you, do, you reckon, do you reckon if Roger got some of Mick's moves? If he if he started jogging, would that help? I, I think I sent you that, that tweet that um, I found where Roger McGuinn, R- Roger McGuinn was tweeting about. <laughs> Have you done the intro yet, Phil? It's, it's official now. We're on. Oh, okay. This shirt slipping. Have we have we started? We've started. What I was talking about was that tweet from David Crosby where he said, <laughs> "I wish." I don't, I don't play stoned anymore, and I don't play drunk anymore. I don't get play out of it. I feel I'm much better when I'm clear. And Roger McGuinn tweeted back, I wish you'd told us that 50 years ago. And uh, this has started me following David Crosby on Twitter. I, I'm not sure if I've... I, that's why I'm not on Facebook anymore. Twitter's so much more for fun. You, for you and Donald. Yeah, Dave Crosby, listening to his last album, and um, Lighthouse, and then the other one... Lighthouse, which is kind of like a more of a, a folky sort of thing, but his last album, uh, Sky Trails, Sky Trails, which is like Steely Dan. Really? Yeah. Okay. He's seventy six years old and he's decided he wants to make an album like um, like uh, Steely Dan. So I would recommend that. I'd uh, give that. Um, you know, he's recording with his son. That's right. The album was with his son producing and playing on it, and writing as well. What? Yeah. yeah. Here's a bit of interesting news. I met a man called Stu Storman. Stuart, Stuart Storman. I met a man called Stuart Storman. Um, I, was, um, I picked up a young fellow in the cab and dropped him off at his place and he decided to play me some of his dad's music. It was great. I said, I want to meet your dad. And uh, so I met Stuart and Stuart used to record in England at a place called Trident Studios. He's moved up the road here. Mm. Yeah, he's moved <laughs> up the road here. Went around to his place, recorded a couple of tracks with him and he's just released his album and it's fantastic. It's uh, it's um, it's prog rock plus uh, plus a lot of electro, and uh, yeah, I'm on an, I'm on an album that just got released, <laughs> and uh, it goes under the name of SJS. is It is really great, and I discovered one of the guys we went to university with, uh, Graham James, is playing drums on two of the tracks. So uh, there you go. <laughs> so what's it, what's it, what's the name of the album? <clears throat> what's the name of the album, Chris? The album's called The World Without, and the artist is called SJS. And is it, on, is, it on Spot, is it on Spotify? Don't know. It's only just it's only just come out, so it could be. It's up to Stu um, mm-hmm. Storman S T A W M A N. So what what albums did he work on in uh, Trident, or what music did he work I, on at Trident? I, I, he, well, this, I can't remember. Um, he he did a lot of stuff, but he does tell me the story. Of one night, uh, there was a knock on the door, and it was raining, and he uh, he opened the door, and there was um, who was the guy? Video killed the radio stars. That great producer, Trevor Horn. 
Trevor Horn and, and this big, tall, lanky bloke standing next to him called Chris Squire were standing standing at the door, the top of the stairwell, and uh, they, they wanted to come in, and Stuart shook his hand and said uh, that Chris had the biggest pair of hands he's ever shook in his life, because <laughs> Chris was about six foot six or something. We'll get some more information. We'll, we'll, we'll do some promotion. Is it a good album? And you've played on it as well, have you? I played on it. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I was really surprised how good it was because I didn't hear the rest of the album. And yeah. so I had no idea where I was fitting into this whole concept. And he didn't play me any of the rest of the album. Oh, hang on. Hang so, on. Is it, is it a concept album? I, I heard prog rock before. I heard you say prog rock yeah, before. Yes, he did. Yes, I heard it. Phil. Yeah, right. definitely. It, heard actually, it. <laughs> it is a. It is Phil. It is a concept album. Hey, I, I went and saw a young band. I was went to a 60th birthday party uh, just before Christmas, and um, I was at uh, Lazy Bones, and there was this young band there. Obviously, it's full of young bands, and they were like this prog rock meets the B52s band. They were fantastic. Really? Called oh, wow. Spencer. <laughs> okay, <As Yeah>. in, <laughs> the, the sort of tops your mother buys in the sixties. Well, I think it's uh, the lead singer. It's her. It's her project, and her name is Spencer. Oh. So it's Spencer. And they were, this prog rock stuff. It was they were doing it like um, you know, like it was the seventies all over again. Yeah, so I'm not sure is, if whether prog rock uh, never went away or is it um, just always going to just keep on coming back. I think it's just never going to go away because it's a type of music that uh, it leaves leads a lot of scope for um, uh, exceptional playing, great writing. It's got a lot of English folk music in it, so why should it go away? Uh, I just remembered one of the things that Stuart did in his career he was sound man for George Harrison. So just is that all? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, just just yeah, just nibbling at the edges of fame. You know. But we should get him on. Yeah, yeah, we should. <laughs> it's just extraordinary. It's like um, running into Noel Ilmoe a few weeks ago and telling me that that um, one of um, uh, Barry Manilow's music directors just lives around the corner from me. Art Phillips. Art Phillips. Arturo <laughs> yeah. de Felipe. <laughs> Arturo, Arturo de Felipe. Yeah. yeah, he's just around the corner. A lovely guy. <laughs> We, we need to get him on and talking about Barry. We need some more Barry Manilow. My favourite story of Art was when he was musical director for Demis Roussos. But I can't tell the story. I'd rather Art told it because they were in Brazil and I'm not, I don't want to... No, nah, tell him. That's okay. <laughs> well, he, he, ended up, he ended up in jail. They end, the whole band ended up in jail. They couldn't jail Demis because he was too big a star. Were they uh, that bad? No, no, no. <laughs> No, no, they uh, they had some of the music on backing tapes uh, because it was too big. To, you know, it was like every, every all the productions are bigger than Ben Hur, and so some of the music was on backing tape. And one of the tapes went wobbly in the heat, and the audience heard it, and they were arrested and put in jail. <laughs> Why for tape stretches? The because the Brazilians take the music more seriously than we do. <laughs> Is that it's true? Illegal. That's not true. Yeah. <laughs> you, can, you can ask Art. You can ask Art. Phil, mm -hmm. David Crosby's first album is called I Wish I Could Remember My Name. That's right. 
<laughs> he's great, isn't he? And he appeared on The Simpsons a few times as well. Did he? Yeah, yeah. He he um when they were in a barbershop quartet, Barney, oh, yeah. Barney and um, Homer and, and all were in a barbershop quartet. The B, the B Sharps, that's right, the B Sharps, and they won a Grammy and David Crosby presented them with the, <laughs> the Grammy and Barney went, I'm your biggest fan. And Dave Crosby said, do you like my music? <laughs> and he said, are you a musician? <laughs> <laughs> He's been on several times. He's, um, he's, you know, sounds like such a lovely, funny guy. And when he's on Twitter as well, people just ask him all these questions. And even if it might be just a one or two word answer, he just loves engaging with people. And I, th- I think some of the questions get a bit dull and boring um, because people are asking all the same stuff about the old days again. But um, He's got a very high, high voice. <laughs> he's got a very high voice. Lovely, though. It's incredible at 76 years old that it's still such a beautiful high voice. And it's lovely. His voice, singing voice, is still beautiful. Mm. What um, what struck me when I saw Crosby, Stills and Nash about five years ago was, oh, they were great. They were terrific. But Graham Nash was the glue that held it together and sort of ran it on oh, stage oh. Okay. and chatted between songs. And, and I thought he was... I, I, I don't want to say I've never had a high opinion of him. I think he's got a great voice. Um, but... I came away with a whole different feeling about the band and about Graham Nash. He was fantastic. And I've been playing a lot of Hollies lately too. Mm. But I was reading an interview with Dave Crosby where he was talking about um, meeting Miles Davis. <laughs> Apparently Miles Davis came up to him and said, I've, done a, I've covered one of your songs. Come and have a listen to it. So he took him into the studio and played him this song. And he said, it's, it's Guinevere. And he listened to it. Couldn't couldn't hear any of it, and he said to Miles Davis, <laughs> he said to Miles Davis, you just call it another name. You don't even need to give me a credit or give me any royalties. It's not the same song. <laughs> <laughs> and I think Miles was a bit annoyed at that. <laughs> the, hang on, the other story I heard about Miles Davis recently was about. Um, I've got a Miles for you. Uh, just let me tell you this Miles story when when someone one of his friends I can't remember one of another uh, musician took him to see Jimi Hendrix for the first time and apparently Miles through the whole show all he could say was damn damn (laughs) (laughs) damn (laughs) I bought Miles' autobiography and I took it to Bali I started reading it on the plane in the first paragraph he dismisses Elvis and the Beatles. Completely dismisses them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that's how he starts the book about Miles. Yeah. It's a great he book, does, though. It's a great read. He does love the white man. But it was Miles' girlfriend, uh, that uh, it was Betty Davis, that took uh, Miles to see Jimi Hendrix. He ended up with in a band, the electric band, when he, they used to do the Man with the Horn album. And uh, they had... Uh, they used to play the Man with the Horn opening track on Double J in the morning before breakfast, the whole seven and a half minutes of it. And uh, apparently what he did, yes, exactly, in the morning radio, ABC. And uh, what he would do, he would uh, lean over to the guitar player and he, just, and he would just say, play Hendrix, play <laughs> Hendrix. And so the guy would have to... So the guy would have to hit his stomp, you know, hit his distortion pedals and just, you know, hold notes. Go nuts. 
That was and that was the whole. That was the brief. That was the brief. Play Hendrix. <laughs> <laughs> or or, or he'd, um, he'd have the whole. He'd have the whole band um, rehearse for days, and he'd be listening somewhere, but he wouldn't come out and yeah. see them, and they'd play right. and play and play, <laughs> and then just then, then just come in and and say, okay, this is the way I want it, <laughs> and completely. Yeah change it straight away, you know, so that they were completely off, <laughs> off, off guard. But he hated, apparently, Chris, you're a musician. Um, you yeah. didn't know about this, but apparently he hated flat fifths. Have I didn't this? know that. No, I've never heard it because he was... Uh, look, he'd, he he'd, do anything, he'd do anything. He'd do anything. But he also loved the blues. Mm. But he hated a flat fifth. I don't know. I've, I've, been, I've come to love the flat fifth. I, I think it's a beautiful I don't, one. I don't mind a flat fifth. I, I, I don't he hated it. Five, live, live in any of my music. I love it. <laughs> you know, his bass player, his bass player the, the, the last guy who gave him stardom again, Marcus Miller, used his flat fives continually in his compositions. It's, it's wonderful. It's all the blues. So I don't know. I don't know. I don't know, Phil. I don't know. <laughs> This is a good moment because um, we wanted to talk about Bono's legacy. Um, Rob and I, we both... Chris, have you noticed Phil's got the wardrobe open tonight? It's a sound thing. It's, all, it's, acoustics. it's acoustics. It's all about the acoustics. It's very neat, though, don't you think? It is particularly anal, Phil. Nothing no, absorbs sound like leather. <laughs> Leatherette. Warm leather. Sorry, anyway, because uh, Rob and I, we were um, reading an article a few weeks ago about Bono, and we, we both commented that we were, we were aghast about this. Let, let me just read this to you. Recently, oh, oh. recently... Hold on, you hadn't warned us. No, 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 I love to hear it. I love this. I love, I love the fact that Bono gives no Fs whatsoever. Go ahead. Recently, Bono has been worried about how he will be remembered when he dies. The loss of David Bowie affected me, affected me profoundly, he says. And Leonard Cohen, who I didn't know as well as David, but I knew Leonard. Both were given a vibrant send-off and the tributes were 99% positive. That won't happen for me. At your funeral, nobody talks about what you achieved, he says a little sadly. They talk about whether you were funny or not. Were you kind to your kids? So I'm moving away from worrying too much about legacy as regards you two or my own work to be more concerned about what my kids and friends think about me. Now, both Rob and I found that quite odd. <laughs> I'm sure David Bowie and Leonard Cohen didn't worry about the legacy they were leaving and how they, their kids felt about them. I'm sure that they were nice guys that just happened to be naturally nice guys, but it's like Bono needs to think about what it takes to be a nice nice guy. Is that what you took away from that, Rob? Uh, I just thought it was all a bit sad, really. Um, I'm sure he's a great bloke and he's a great singer, but he's just... I, I've seen them twice, and I've walked away both times thinking that he just spent two hours masturbating in front of me. <laughs> yeah. That's how it felt. I know what you mean. I've seen them three times. In fact... The third time I saw them in the Zeropa tour, I was sitting next to Malcolm and Lucy Turnbull and their kids. Oh! <laughs> Name dropper. Name dropper, I know. Uh, but, um, and uh, the person I was with and I, we blew a joint. Uh, and, and Malcolm was not very happy at all about this. And um, Lucy, Lucy, I think, took a very tactful um, 
point of view on this and leaned over and said to me, there's undercover police everywhere. <laughs> okay, we'll keep that in mind. <laughs> <laughs> good honour. Good good yeah, good honour. You know, well, you know, we shouldn't have been blown. I into must it. use that line. Yeah. <laughs> so I've taken this opportunity because I've been in the in production mode today, as you heard from our introduction, and I've prepared another audio piece, and Ooh. it's about Bono's legacy. Oh. It's a tribute to Bono, his legacy, and the con- the contributions that this important and significant rock god has made to. The music industry. So sit back and enjoy this. Here we go. It's very quiet so far. It's very quiet, Phil. Is that it? (laughs) (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, Bono's legacy. (laughs) It sounds like Bono. You've really worked hard to... Working through his own excretion. (laughs) Secretions? Secretions or excretions? Excretion, excretion. I'm, I'm going to um, I'm going to post that. I'm going to make a minute forty five of silence and post it as um, one of our episodes. <laughs> Bono's legacy. <laughs> can, can, can I remix it? Can I remix it? <laughs> when Bono's lawyers contact us, I've never met you. Wasn't that John Cale who did? John Cale did um, one of those tricks. Yes, yes. And the whole idea of it is you're supposed to have the background sounds in there of people coughing was the actual music, not the actual silence. But that's okay. That's a secret of the performance. So, Christopher, can you, um, Phil, can you leap to Bono's defence, please? Because we've been, <laughs> we've been. I, I, I like Bono. I think he's a highly intelligent guy who's um, managed to pay for an education late in life, which I think is a great way to spend your rock god money. And um, he's, he lives in a bubble, and I, I think he's very aware of that. And um, and I don't think he's coping. And I, I'm being quite serious. And I, I wouldn't want to live that way. People forget that fame is crap. And so that's how he lives. And his, his words, I mean, I have no idea from what context that, that article came from, from, from whence it emerged, what came before it, what, where it was leading to. But it's a sad statement on its own. But he doesn't come across as a sad, morose person. He comes across as a concerned person. But this, I don't know, what extensions can we make for his relationship with his kids? Uh, that that the image they have of him is the, the the pop star. That's a sad way to be. He's five foot six. <laughs> That's important. Well, most people in Ireland are five foot five foot six, and it's lack of it's a lack of sunlight and too much potato. Well, look, I think we should say good night, uh, and I don't think Rob can say any good night anymore. No, Rob's... Um, Rob's completely disacli- disappeared. So if you say something, Rob, if you can hear us and say something, we can actually record, You can. we'll get your recording and we'll edit it in later. So we hope you've got one final smart-ass comment for us. <laughs> <laughs> I think he just left. He just left. <laughs> well, yeah, he has. He's, he's, he's pulled out of the conversation. Yeah, yeah. Wow. wow. 
How does does that make you feel, Chris? He's tough. He's good. You know, I'm, We're not tough, though. We're I, not I, tough. I, no, I can't, I can't deal with these high flyers, these, these retail executives. Highly strung um, lead singers. I mean, he's, he's, a guy, he's a guy who actually sells laptops. He sells mainframes. He sells PCs, and he hasn't got one himself. What does that tell you? How arrogant is that? How cold? <laughs> he doesn't uh, want well, to dip, he, he's, he's telling you how good it is in your life if you have one, yet he doesn't have one in his. That was a... Uh, I don't, I don't believe it's not butter, Chris. <laughs> Should have seen me on holidays. <laughs> Sorry, it's not buttock. <laughs> it spreads well. <laughs> I can't believe it's not butane. <laughs> You've been listening to Is This Shirt Slimming? Brought to you by the Datto Foreskin Restoration Clinic. Time to act. Become intact. 